tuning into Power Athlete Radio. This week's Power Athlete Radio episode will be a lesson to you all. If you find yourself within proximity of both an ocean and Rafael Ruiz, you will be tested. The crew heads to Tampa to take over CrossFit TAS's warm-up for 17.1 and answers your questions. Topics like how to battle your arch nemesis, plantar fasciitis, what you need to know about rehabbing ACL injuries, and it's normal to barf after 15 burpees, but only if your pre-workout consisted of expired shellfish. Need ideas for priming the pump for your next wad off? Get your chili hot with the 2017 CrossFit Open Warm-Up Series. Each warm-up is tailored for each open wad, taking the guesswork out of how to perfectly prepare movements and energy systems. Get a glimpse into the magic slash science that will have you performing at your best and minimize your risk for injury so that you can crush the next. Because no one was ever satisfied with just one wad. This is episode 197. Power Athlete Nation, what is up? This is Luke. You got text on the other end. Text say, hey. I won't say that. I'll say howdy. Everybody who wants to hear text say, hey, say, hey. Good thing they're out there. <laughs> we are bringing another episode to you. Is that the right order, text Of the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. Usually right? you lead off with that. Okay. The premier well, anyways, podcast here it is, is strength and conditioning another episode. <laughs> yeah, so if you think uh, tech sounds a little hoarse, that's because we are fresh off the plane uh, from Tampa, Florida, and tech's, uh, tech's had quite the adventure. Um, he, he went out a day early, traveled with Master Splinter. I showed up a day after him, and uh, I was just media man. But uh, let's see, I'll give... Before you were media, man. No, no, I'll give a short itinerary, okay? So uh, my itinerary was fly, land, swim, eat. Uh, then we did Friday Night Lights at Task CrossFit, and then uh, filmed the cert, and then flew home. And then now here we are. But Tex had a nice, interesting uh, Friday morning, like a pain cave session with Ruiz, right? Yeah, just a good old fun Friday. So went in not knowing what to expect. I mean, uh, hit his training on train heroic, but at the same time in person, it's always just a little bit different. And especially, uh, I didn't tell him I was coming in case he programmed, and I, I just didn't want to give a give him a drop and make something just hard as shit. But it's a little surprise was hard as shit. Some some sprints, Bulgarian split squats, Luke's favorite, and just a lot of body weight stuff. Yeah, for three you- hours. Well, and here's the thing, like, uh, Roth's a wizard, man. It's always great to catch up with the guy. And it, you, if you guys don't know who the Ruiz is, we've had him on the podcast. He's episode one, uh, 132, 166, and we've had him on Talk To Me Johnny Live. So if you go to YouTube and just look up TTMJ, Roth Ruiz, R-A-P-H, uh, R-U-I-Z, check that stuff out. Cause he, so he hits like, I don't know, how would you describe, uh, how would you describe his general approach to fitness tax Raz al Ghul. Raz al Ghul. So it's like, uh, you, you have to take and face your fears head on, which is why when Tex picked me up from the airport, I was already sleep deprived because <laughs> I'm two hours. Of, I was on two hours of sleep, just poor planning, yada, 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 uh, get there. And he's like, Oh, we're going to have lunch with Roth. And like my guard is down. I'm tired. You know, when, when you're tired, sleep deprivation is like being drunk is what I'm told by Ruiz through text. And, uh, I'm like, oh, sweet. We'll just 
we are just going to go have lunch with Roth. And we fucking pull up to a restaurant right across the street from the beach. And Ruiz opens his trunk and has like swim gear for me and Tex himself, uh, Steph, his wife, and his kid. And it's like, motherfucker, we're going, we're going swimming. And you should have seen Tex turn even whiter than he already is. Well, we got rope-a-doped. It was a rope-a-dope. I got bamboozled. So training but, for three hours, you think you, you earned it, right? Gave everything I had, went, went bottom rack, and uh, <clears throat> then all of a sudden we, um, we just get this, this Google map, Aloha Barbecue, Indian Rocks Beach. So a free shout-out for them. It was freaking awesome. But it, it was like 45 minutes away from where we started. So we're rafts training at it, and um, just picked Luke up. Drove 45 minutes, and we're getting like a, I'm scratching my neck here. We're getting closer and closer to the water. I'm like, what's remember, going on? You remember, we're like, <laughs> like you're like, you had no sleep. I had no sleep. And uh, I'm like, you know, like we were trying to plan out the day and where we're going to fit in a fucking nap like we're kindergartners. And we thought a nap was going to be possible. Well, yeah. And then I just, then we just jumped into a winter ocean. Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't too bad. But how, much, how long do you think we, how far do you think we swam? Was that a mile swim? A lifetime. <laughs> well, anyways, not to bore the listeners with any Ruiz torture stories, uh, but the, the next stop after that was TAS CrossFit, and uh, the, we linked up with them, man. And it, what, so we got our, our open warm-ups uh, our open warm-up set up on Train Heroic. If you haven't heard, now you heard, pahq.co slash cfopen2017. Anyways, so Tex has been going fucking ham on warm-ups, as you guys know, over the past couple of years, and it's only sharpened the blade uh, even finer. So we decided to crash TAS CrossFit 17.1, uh, uh, what do you call Friday Night Lights, right? Yeah. And here's the deal. We just like, so here's how it literally went down, people, okay? So if you've seen that scene from Predator, seen that scene, uh, if you've seen that scene from Predator starring Arnold, right? He's fucking got that big old machine gun and he kicks down that Tiki Hut door and he just says, knock, knock, and then just blows everybody up. That is literally what we did, literally. And uh, this is probably where Callie's like, Luke, I don't think you understand what literally means, but I do. So we kicked in the door. And we're like, we're here to teach you warm-ups. And then Tex put on a clinic. True or false, Tex? Literally. Literally put on a <laughs> clinic <laughs> about warm-ups for these guys. And you had, you know, we had like 10 coaches there. It's awesome. And then uh, what was cool is the head coach there, Matt, is like, uh, you know, we kind of like loosely planned it because it was impromptu, intentionally, kicked in the door, wanted to like uh, really crash the party. And then after we went through the clinic, you know, he's talking to us and, he, and he's like, well, would it be cool if you guys just did the whole warm-up for our, our our crew and we're like, yeah, that's, that's what we want. Right. So text taught these guys and then put them to the test. Yeah. It was about, um, maybe 35, 40 athletes. They had a freaking rack. Awesome. Awesome facility, uh, down Tampa. And then, um, yeah, about six coaches just kind of sat in and we had a warm up conversation. We kind of made a broaden their perspective and understanding. It's not just really that getting your chili hot. It's not just freaking breaking a sweat. It's actually finding, identifying exactly where an athlete is most likely to fail. And if you look at 17-1, there's a lot of opportunity for failure, right? Everybody's screaming about lower back. Well, guess what? You didn't properly do your hips, your hamstrings, your ankles to put yourself in a position, get your ass down there so you don't have to use your lower back. So 
uh, we just kind of broke down just a, I guess our, our approach to if you see this in the workout, well, we got to reverse engineer it and then really build an athlete from the ground up. Our phases are pretty straight up. We have to do that pre-warm-up, warm-up, do all the benefits that everybody knows about warming up, right? Increase stroke volume, decrease injury, all that good stuff, get some blood flow going. But then we hit some isostability. So this is that kind of lengthen and strengthen portion and get people comfortable. Uh, where most gyms would add like a mobility watt or something, well, we're not going to use the bands. We're going to use the body weights in there <clears throat> and get you in the, the primal positions that are identified in the, in the workout or the team competition, whatever it is. We take the same protocols as sport practice as we do our, our training. And then from there, it's just dynamic movement, taking that, those primals, moving through space. And then what amazes me is that we are the only people that really target energy systems right? The, the workout is tra uh, targeting work capacity within energy systems, whether it's phosphagen, glycolytic pathway, and then even like a 20-minute burner, um, which I know is going to come up. Remember, we saw a 20-minute AMREP last year. Oxidative, right? So we're specifically targeting these energy systems where most are giving you strategies and all that shit. Well, you know, we're barn burning strategies. Just freaking burn the ships and go. So yeah, if you're if you're micromanaging your strategy on game day, um, it's too late. I think it might be. I think, and that's not to say don't like, don't do it. But you know, I'm the, I know my old man wasn't the one who invented it. But it's like as soon as you have a plan, you're behind the step. You know, um, so it's like you kind of got to be ready to just go in. And and as a coach, you want you don't want to. I mean, so here's the thing. Uh, you know we. We talk about movement, movement competency in the closed loop and open loop environment, and you want to keep that as closed as possible to maximize movement efficiency. What that means is you want the fucking the control center to be doing as little calculations as possible, right? You want everything to be effortless and unconscious. So if you have an athlete who's in there micromanaging their workout, it's going to detract from overall efficiency. So that's why that's where we're at. That's what that's the whole philosophy behind that so it's like you just prime the engine get it rip roaring get the get the lug nuts bolted on and cranked down and it's like you gotta let this you gotta let them go rip it up right yeah and put and put into practice what you've been working on for the past cycle i'm sure there's like a hopefully coaches uh you know you've spent a cycle let's call it eight weeks at least uh preparing for the movements that we see in the warm-up which are pretty like relatively standardized right so mm -hmm. i don't know uh just had to jump in there text what else well i mean let's just stick with that for a minute um where luke said closed loop let's let's go ahead and put a definition of that people that um haven't oh, been yeah. on the blog yet or um read some of john's work because i know he's he's doing a lot of research in that because um it's it's very important so uh closed loop simply put it's if I'm the athlete, it's just me versus myself. If we look at the open, that's going to be a closed loop. Um, it's I initiate the start of any movement, closed loop versus reacting to another athlete. And then there's a set start and finish point. And if we look at the standard of movements, whether it's a sport of Olympic lifting, powerlifting, or the sport of fitness, there's a start, end, and finish. Where in like soccer, basketball, football, it's not a set start and finish lacrosse, you know, so that's just a small difference between the open and the closed. 
uh, where I said earlier where we take a similar approach to preparing like uh, fitness athletes that we do our practice in preseason, the one difference is going to be the open versus the closed loop. Any of our sport practice, we always throw some open loop stuff in there, kind of prime the reaction, turn the brain on. But fuck, man, if it's the sport of fitness, turn the brain off. Get the hamster on the wheel and just fucking go. Shut off. Go into your pain cave. That's cool. But that's not going to be cool if we're training, you know, tennis players, lacrosse players, different sports athletes that need a reaction, external right. environment. Right, to calculate any sort of external stimulus. And I guess, you know, these people, like if you're like me when I was a young, um, uninformed, not, not even smart enough to know but thought I knew, like these aren't, don't think in absolutes. Like I know in a soccer match there is a timer that dictates the start and end of a match. But think of the task, uh, the varying tasks of an athlete in, that are imposed upon them during a match. Like you don't know that 10 minutes in, you're going to be doing a 40 minute sprint. Whereas, you know, within your wad and within the open and within the competitive CrossFit arena, even if they're the workouts are announced like 30 seconds before the task is outlined and you have a structure and blueprint, which closes the loop and everything is then, uh, you know, you, you do, as you're performing the task, there's no external stimulus for you to calculate to detract from motor efficiency, right? Motor power. And yeah, even though you're working out next to somebody or it's, it's kind of like the, the game style right there in their lane next to you, it's still you versus you. Now the moment we get into throw some arm wrestling in there, some leg wrestling or like dodgeball, I hope you're listening, leg wrestling, dodgeball, then that's when it's going to be an open loop. Anyways, should we answer these questions, Tess? So, so here's the thing. We got fired up because we fired these people up. We saw some people get fired up. We saw some things we did like that we didn't like. Um, you know, and, and first off, in, in 100%, like all, all due respect to the, to the gym and to the host, they didn't know what they didn't know, okay? And uh, so everything, they had a learning opportunity, I think think the coaches did great but we saw some things we didn't like right and there's there's always room for improvement and i was just talking to uh, a buddy of ours yesterday regarding the seminar like uh, that this is opportunity for these guys but um we got fired up and we're like all right let's get some people's questions on training and on uh on the open and that's what this podcast is about today people we threw a little uh quick request for q a out on instagram and you guys delivered so here we are we're about to just drop our pants and answer these questions right tex oh texas pants are already off sorry you guys can't see that but all right first question <laughs> <clears throat> all right worst man fit uh when doing all lunge variations by the way dumbbell sandbag on power athlete programming should we be bringing the trail lug up as you come to extension sandbag current sandbag demo does not show it. I know we should follow the demo and try to mimic the mimic these to perfection. So the answer, I'm just going to say, make it a habit, just knee up, toe up. So even well, though knee up, dorsiflexion, knee up, dorsiflexion, right? As they describe in the seminar, it's not toe up. It's really the top of your foot up. But mm -hmm. I mean, toe up is just easier for us to scream at an athlete. Yes. Um, just make it a habit. Um, so that uh, we are lunging for a reason. We're lunging with the bar in the backward to really s establish a, a long, pretty posture. So that way when we sprint, 
our posture is long and we maintain that lunge position, that pull through on the sprint. So we are lunging as a means to an end. Eventually we're going to immediately combo it into a step up. So I say go ahead and pull on through like a high knee lunge that we do have a demo that's, that's dialed in in there. And then when you step up, also finish, pull through, knee up, toe up, or knee up, top of your foot up, shoelaces up, whatever you want to call it. And then maintain dorsiflexion on the way down for your step up. So uh, worst man fit, the answer to that question is yes. And moving through space. Here's also a challenge, guys. A lot of our lunges, uh, a lot of many typical lunges in training, just load up the barbell. You go into uh, your rack or you pull the bar off the rack and you just lunge back and forth. Majority of our lunges, we want you moving through space. Now, and also, you know, I feel like we're in the trust tree here. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I trust since uh, this is the premier podcast in strength and conditioning and, you know, we have billions, I think billions of downloads, you know, I, I think mean, everyone, total, in, everyone in the country downloads our episodes three or four times, including our security agencies. And I trust them to shelter this information from our, our enemies. But there was a time when we were just running and gunning and rushing movement demos to get them up and train heroic. And maybe we were a little hasty with this one. Dex? Well, if you see a demo at the old Ruiz 144.1, it was a little rushed. Yeah. So it might have been like a one and done, get it to John or we lose our jobs type thing. Uh, but we, um, we are, once we get the new uh, break around in the new gym and get some like a bitching fucking gym set up, we're going to uh, probably give a lot of those warm ups a makeover, huh? What do you say, Tex? Oh, absolutely. Um, Luke even teased a green screen. So if you see us like on the edge doing step ups on like a freaking, I don't know, some very important building somewhere, it's not real. Or at a beach because I'm never going near the water again. Or the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Is that where you spit your coffee up? Yeah, you can do that. All right, Tex. I'm going to barrel forward. Uh, let's see. A boy well, has- I mean, we can talk about lunges more. I'm cool. No, Tex. No. No, we'll have a lunge episode tomorrow uh, on the ninth green uh, at nine. Hey, wear something nice, okay? A boy has no name. Kind of a loaded question. When training around a non-surgical muscle tear, a.k.a. his pec, uh, with no tendon involvement, what is the general time frame that you can begin to work that specific body part without an increased risk of re-injury? Just looking for a ballpark estimate, and if you have any good rehab, prehab exercises, that'd be awesome. Tex, do we have an answer for this? This to me feels like, listen, dude, uh, everyone has their own Wolverine rate of healing, so it's hard to tell. Um, I, would, I would just defer to your trusted medical professional. Yeah, who told, you, who told you it was torn? Yeah, because there's a possibility maybe it isn't, um, but I, I have a feeling that this is one of those things where you can go through movement patterns as long as they don't hurt, uh, you know, even if they're resisted. Um, it, but as soon as you start to like get that, uh, you know, the spider senses start tingling, that's when you're going to have to back off. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, because I, 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 I remember when John had to move a woodway uh, to uh, the producer of oh, Modern no. Family's House with 
like Austin or something? Away from, no, I thought it was Nate. Oh, what, yeah, with Nate and, and like the guy made him move it down their stairs and then ended up not buying it or something. Well, anyways, this, like the weight of the Wellborn plus this old Woodway from the like late 90s, which was, I mean, the, the, thing, was, the thing was literally 700 pounds. And um, John tore the hole in his hamstring because Aunt Lowe was there. And he's, he's like, John's like, my hamstring's really sore. You know, and Aunt's like, well, let me check you out. And he goes, Whoop, and stuck his finger like through John's hamstring down to the second knuckle. Um, you know, the hamstring's a little different than the pec though, right? Uh, anyways, he just, you know, it was all just like, hey, take it easy. If it hurts, chill. Uh, you know, I don't even think he had him stretch. He just kind of had him like do movement, you know what I mean? So I would just defer to your medical professional or you want a, a much smarter answer. Get on uh, the Power Athlete forums. You know what form's been going off, Tex? So I created a new form called I've Fallen and I Can't Get Up. <laughs> I think it's funny. Fuck you, Tex. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, so we got a couple PTs and ATCs, trusted ATCs, I guess, uh, that are, that control that forum and people who get dinged up, that's where they post their questions. So maybe you should check that sucker out, a boy who has no, no name. Uh, but yeah, man, it's just, I would trust your medical, personal medical professional because I don't want you coming to, ask, coming to us for this thing. You know what I mean? But in the meantime, I think you could do like any sort of ISO or mobilization type stuff that as long as, again, there's no pain. Right, Tex? Yeah. All right. Tex, you want this one? Is it an easy one? Yeah. It's an easy one. Ryan Renner. Are you going to be? Are you the, going to the mall today? At the regionals in San Antonio. What regionals? Do you have any idea what he's talking about? The, the regional mall? State fair? State fair is in Dallas, dog. Um, What's what's the weekend? Do we have a, a more? I don't know, dude. We'd Do we have, have to a, Google it. Long story short, here, here's the thing, Ryan. Here's the thing. All right. Um, if there's no good movies out, there's no good happy hour specials going on near Tex and I. Uh, let's see. What else could we possibly be doing, Tex? If we're not across the country, across the world, teaching the good world of power, good word of power athlete. We we could be updating the mute the movement demos. We could be updating the movement demos, demos, or we could be at one of these like playgirl photo shoots that we've been getting hit up on. Uh, we might come squeak by and just check it out, right? So no guarantees, though. I mean, we're not going to have a booth. That's a fact. Uh, but if anything, we'd be hanging out there just uh, going and slanging, uh, slanging knowledge to people who want to learn, right? May 19th, we will be at Summer Strong. So John oh, is speaking. Yeah, we're out. So yeah. unfortunately, we are out. Uh, we're going up early to shoot some guns with some Sofleet. Softleet, how do you pronunciate them? Softleet, Softleet, guys. Uh, so we're going up early. John's going to be seeping, seeking, uh, speaking at Summer Strong, and uh, we know Double A is going back. I know he's speaking, um, so that's where we're going to be. So unfortunately, we are out. Sorry, buddy, but maybe Callie will be there. <laughs> <laughs> Callie. All right. So let's go. Let's barrel forward, Tex. <clears throat> you got okay. this one. Um. When looking at plyometrics, what would a major discrepancy between standing long jump versus vertical counter movement jump mean in an athlete? So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll take a coffee, Luke. Um, so we're moving through uh, vertical vector versus the horizontal. So that's going to be the biggest thing. Your vertical displacement versus horizontal displacement. Um, 
But if we, we look at what's the demand of an athlete. So again, when we look at tests, we're looking, all right, what does our athlete need? Does he need to go vertical? So if I'm checking out a, uh, if I'm checking out a wide receiver, a defensive back, a basketball player, I'm going to need to check their vertical, right? So then I can see, can see if my program's improving by how much their vertical jump improves. Um, if I'm looking at a, a running back, if I'm looking at an offensive lineman, then I'm going to check more horizontal. So their ability to really fly forwards through space, use their violent hip extension on that. So uh, linebacker, again, in my humbled opinion, the greatest athletes in the entire world are going to be outside linebackers of the NFL because you got to have the speed to keep up with a freaking world-class wide receiver. At the same time, you got to take on the offensive lineman and then a freaking genetic freak of a running back. So I'm going to be checking vertical and horizontal there. So it all depends on the demands of the athlete. Then we're going to, to kind of check out what they need more and then can tailor the program there. So major discrepancy, if there is one that exists, could mean something, but it could be also if I'm checking an offensive lineman, I'm not too worried about his vertical. How's his horizontal? How's his clean? A clean is also a test of freaking uh, vertical displacement of the spine, right? It's just with weight. So if we're not getting the inches off the ground, but shit, we are moving some weight with full hip extension, and then he shows the ability to catch toes forward right and it's clean and reduce that force coming down on him, that's going to show me a pretty good sign that he's ready. So it all depends on what you're training for. Remember, we don't want to look at these things as simply a test means this, or say Brian Arakbo freaking badass from Texas into the NFL, his test means this. So this kid now 10, 15 years later, got the same numbers of Arakbo, he's going to be Arakbo. I don't think so. So how are we going to use these tests? Remember, we we ran that vert jump survey at the at the games, and there was ignore. We 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 asked people they're clean, their squat, you know. And I'm sure these fucking people lied because they're you know whatever. But it's directionally. Well, you know, it didn't lie. The vert. The vert. But here's here's the thing: we we could not see the 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 clean power clean. I'm sorry. Yeah, the clean, the power clean, body weight, back squat, deadlift. Right, things that you would think would train this movement pattern, right? Um, and we didn't see a correlation. So John hit up Hatfield, John hit up Louie, and he asked, he talked to them about that. And that, that was a contributor to, to kicking off CAT in compensatory acceleration training field strong because we realized that people may be lifting heavy weights, but they're doing it fucking slow, relatively heavy, right? And the fact that they're doing it slow doesn't have a transfer over to these dynamic movements number one variable number two on the vertical jump the vertical jump has a higher margin for error because you look at a standing broad jump right and you're measuring that in feet right seven eight nine ten eleven feet whereas on a vertical jump you're looking at 24 30 40 inches right so you have a higher margin for error for technique right so the vertical jump also comes down to muscle fiber type which goes to the vertical jump performance window article you put text so yeah. if people aren't aren't compensating for their personal performance biological performance uh how would you uh, profile i'm um, just write that down 
text. Biological then, performance profile. But they're, they're not going to perform in that vertical jump as well as they could, right? So maybe they have to, maybe they need more time to get maximal recruitment. So they have to dip lower. My buddy yes. Craig, uh, uh, I'm sorry, my buddy Clark back in, um, in SoCal, he was a, a slow twitch guy. He's a hockey player, right? And when we did vertical jump tests, I noticed uh, after that we had him try. He was our, like, our, okay, bro science people. I don't care. But we had him try, you know, a high hip dip and then a low hip dip. And he would soar in a low hip dip, right? So when he would dip down lower into his squat, he could get more recruitment, thus jumping higher. So there's that. And then text, I know you're just chomping to get in. And then finally, I think it was Louie was talking about um, confidence. It's just simply confidence in your jump. You got to practice jumping. You got to be taught how to jump vertically. Uh, and since there's such a small margin of error for the measurement, right, uh, that these are all contributing factors to that. So I don't know that the discrepancy means a fucking thing, Tex. Yeah, I, I mean, I would almost throw the inches out unless you're using it as a mark for measurement. Um, I would check out that um, vertical jump performance window. That was, I think, one of my first uh, first articles for Power Athlete HQ. Uh, but it, it's just a way to – if you see this, that means that for that athlete. Mm -hmm. So, And, um, uh, you know, so, something about, like, maxing a broad jump as well is there's, a, there's an element of body awareness, flexibility, and just general athleticism, right, to go from forward full lean extension, swing the hips under, kick the feet forward, right? So there's got to be a confidence element there. So if you got some, some bound up, inflexible dude, he's not going to be able to kick his feet forward and it's going to kind of artificially seem that he didn't displace horizontally uh, his hip girdle. But it's just the fact that he couldn't kick and reach his feet under. You know what I mean, Tex? Oh, yeah. It's... So. These are skills, yeah. And people are only looking at the inches and the numbers, unfortunately. But yeah, uh, but I guess see there. But if you look at it at closed end to end for individual athlete, and you're looking for improvement over time, Tex, I guess that's where we could put a control into place. And at the end of the day, they're just these. These are tests, assessments that I guess evaluate the efficacy of a training cycle. I would assume that if these are testing attributes for a training cycle the goal was explosive power and maybe some plyometric output right so if you're if you see improvement in one and not in the other maybe that's a different discussion ready for the next one yeah anyways i think we blasted that one yeah well we've been through two questions or three questions it's been 30 minutes um ready for this this is all you again. Like, I don't I care know. about this. I know. So let me, let me read it so the <laughs> listeners can hear my Barry White voice. So my man, Blake, CH47, he says, hey, bros, Tex, you're looking, uh, looking pale, Luke. Amazing tan. Um, I've, been <laughs> I've been struggling with plantar fasciitis for a better part of a <laughs> it year. It doesn't say this, guys, but go on. Okay, so it doesn't say the plantar fasciitis part. Uh, I've been struggling with plantar fasciitis the better part of a year. I've been to a foot doc, and all they want to do is treat the oh, fucking symptoms and not address the issue. I've done all the exercises I can find online, towel uh, toe curl, calf stretches, lax ball, same result. Art supports do help, uh-oh, but I would rather correct the problem at a boy. Would appreciate any help. 
So uh, a piece of our CrossFit Sports Pacific Application Seminar involves just this. We dedicate a whole 30-minute warm-up to teaching people about their feet. Uh, so uh, it's, it's action at the ankle. And don't take this term to your doctor, but I just simply refer to it as the ankle girdle. So it's not a real girdle. I just kind of sum, sum up the bottom of the foot, the ankle, the calf, and all that good stuff in there. Uh, but what you need to do is get out of those, get out of those uh, arch supports. And one of my favorite drills is simply this. What you're going to do is just stand on both feet. I want you to now imagine that you take four. So your four little toes, and you grab the ground with those, and you lift up your big toe. So you are driving your big toe knuckle down into the ground. So when I say lift your big toe, that does not mean roll to the outside of your feet. I want you to press your big toe knuckle down into the ground as hard as you can. So what this is gonna do, it's really gonna create a false arch. Your objective here now is to build some isostability within the bottom of your foot so that, that plants are, that's a muscle. So you're all jammed up in your muscle and we gotta loosen it up. So from here, the, the progression would simply be, all right, well, pick one of those feet up off the ground. Show me your ability to drive four little toes into the ground, maintain big toe knuckle contact down in there, picking the big toe up and balancing on one foot. It's harder than it looks or harder than it sounds. I guess we're on radio. Um, so again, developing some isostability in there. From there, we're gonna add movement, whether that's gonna be flexion at the knee, whether that's gonna be internal, external rotation at the hip but we're gonna challenge your ability to maintain that position. So I know when we teach the squat, we're asking our athlete and the deadlift, we're asking our athletes to take their big toe and grab the ground. So that's gonna really activate that foot, turn that posterior chain on, but for just for this, isolating the bottom of your feet, four toes down, big toe knuckle down, and big toe up. So these are some drills that I did um, for my ankle rehab when I, blew up my ankle in college and what we did was we took a penny put it in the freezer got it all nice and cold then i took the penny out and i put it underneath the toe knuckle so i could feel the sensation right if i didn't have the proprioceptive awareness to feel the penny i would then have feel the cold sensation right so i'll know when i'm fucking it up so uh start there and then another one uh just pulling from the wheeze is going to be heel walks so just like it sounds, you're going to pick your toes and as much of the front foot as you can up off the ground, and then you're just going to march. So this is going to be an active stretch at the bottom of your foot, as well as all the nerve going down from kind of the spine into the lower legs. You need to open those up as well. So then you start by stepping over your ankle bone. From there, you progress into your calves and then marching over your knees. Be sure to go through all planes of motion, lateral, backwards, uh, throw some rotation heel walks in there. But we're just stretching the bottom of that foot, an active dynamic stretch, much like we do kind of with our seesaw walks and the hamstring, right? I just don't want to stretch my hamstring or just roll out my hamstring with a ball to improve it. I need to have some active dynamic mobility in there. So and text one, I guess another thing to pay careful attention to to get the maximal effect out of that heel walk is – you know, hold the hip position, your femur position, your knee position, your your foot position. So what we're looking for, for a lot of you guys who are duck-footed, um, you're going to want to be toes forward, but not from the ankle, not from the knee, from the hip. 
So that would require maybe a little bit of that posterior pelvic tilt and internal rotation from the femur. If, you, if we're speaking Greek to you right now and you don't know what any of this means, then uh, we have a problem, right? Uh, you well, need to, we also have a solution. <laughs> or we have a solution. We have an opportunity. Uh, so keep that toes forward. And especially as you pick that knee up, we don't want to see that heel or that foot. Think of like, imagine you're in a high knee position. We don't want to see it swing outside, right? We don't want to see it swing out and too much internal rotation. And same thing. We don't want to see it swing in with external rotation. So the knee doesn't, you don't want to see the knee come out weight, like excessively over the foot or inside excessively over the foot. We want to try and keep a natural, just linkage. And there is also, guys, another article with many of these exercises on the line on powerathletehq.com. And just type in arch development, and it's right there. Boom. All right, people, barreling forward. Tex, you want to read this one? I don't know which one you're looking at. Tomcat. All right, to piggyback off the last rehab question, I know John has talked about several times about some bouts with quadriceps tendonitis and how he has been able to manage it by, if I recall correctly, strengthening his quads primarily through front squats. I've had a hard time wrapping my head around this as anytime I find myself getting my knees out of the way, way out over my toes, front squats or high bar squats, my knees light up, but sitting back and really loading up the hips, the hams more with a lower bar position completely mitigate this. I was hoping maybe you guys could dig into it a little bit more and maybe as this has always seemed counterintuitive to me. I got it. So I think he misunderstood. Is that possible? John's recommendations? Are you right? asking? And what, yeah. no, and what I think he needs to start doing is this sounds like an overuse of a primal text, right? And a misapplication of movement pattern. So something that might help you, Tomcat, is maybe uh, turning, turning the volume down on the squats and really starting to crank up lunges and steps. <clears throat> and you're probably going to have to go through a progression there, pay close attention to the movements, uh, movement demos we do have on the site, and uh, text go. All right. So uh, to apply this, let's just drop these two words, lengthen and strengthen. So why I love, love the lunges and the step-ups and why they're going to help you out is when I step my right foot forward, right, then what's my back leg doing? I want to ask my athletes to drop the back knee towards the ground so they got a straight line from the knee to the top of the head, which is going to really open up, right, that quad, that hip, that psoas, whatever is bothering you currently for your knee position, right? We're all the same, but we're all different. So it's going to target what's kind of get it in the way. And then that front hamstring, that right foot, we're loading it up. So we're going to strengthen that hamstring, that glute, that posterior chain. You're going to pull through into a left high knee, right? We want to target that, and then you're going to step the front foot forward. So if if you're only hitting the squats, because it sounds like you, you do the power athlete squat where you push back and posterior chain dominance, sounds like you got some high bar squats going and then front squats. Uh, what program are you on? Right. So uh, throw in some lunges, see how those feels. It's going to be a major discrepancy in weight for right now, but think long-term. Close the gap. Just got to close the gap there. It's a long question. It's a lot to read. 
Which one? That one? Yeah. All right. Well, I'll take the next one then. It's going to be short. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my man, Jay Like. First off, I did some recon. Private account. So I don't know. I don't get to see you move. But uh, homeboys had a hard time front squatting since he's adopted the power athlete back squat. Uh, are the toes completely straight ahead like the back squat? I don't know what that means, hard time. Like emotionally, uh, is it due to like a hard time finding the time to do this or are you just struggling with what depth? Are you struggling um, with the front rack position? What's, your macro, what's his macro breakdown? Does he go into I don't that? know. Maybe he has yeah, too many carbs. Um, here's the thing, man. Yeah, uh, the, the toes forward is part of a bigger picture that we call skill transfer uh, generically. Okay, guys, it basically means replicate the demands of the training goal, right? And our training goal is to unlock and unleash athletic potential for everybody under the sun. You don't have to be an athlete to be athletic people. So we want to just put you in a healthy linked up movement pattern. And we find that that is toes forward, feet outside, shoulder width apart. Um, there can be exceptions due to orthopedic issues or something, right? But not, we don't, we tend not to vary significantly from our prescription. So what I would venture to say is, I don't know. I, I, short answer is keep going. Maybe it'll just show up one day. Yeah. Is it your ankles? Is it your calves? Is it your hips? Uh -huh. Is it your lower back? Is it your lats? Is it your rack position? Mm -hmm. So a lot of discrepancy here, but I'll tell you if you have trouble with it, where are you having trouble? Because you've identified a limiting factor right there. That's going to catch up somewhere else. Your cleans, your sprints, your speeds, your, your freaking plyo ball tosses. So don't think one-to-one. -one. Bigger picture, like Luke said. But uh, short answer is, yeah, uh, same rules apply, bro. And keep oh, on keeping on. And this is, smokes. I'll get this one text. I'm feeling smart right now. Okay. This much it's a long one. Uh, but, but keep on like, here's, here's the thing too. Uh, you know, uh, so this dude's adopted and like, like, I, I don't mean this to insult my man, Jay likey. Cause I like you, this guy. Right. But it takes time, man. You sound new. Like you're, you, this is a new thing. And, uh, it, it just takes time. And remember it's a long road. Okay. And, uh, the goal is to just keep moving down that track one day at a time, one bite at a time. Right. So don't get, don't stress it, man. Uh, do some, if, uh, if you really want to start to attack this thing and, uh, let's, here's what I would do every day you squat, like maybe throw a, on your, your, your light warm up sets, just throw some front squats in there to try and like, uh, to grease that pattern. You know, maybe it is just something like a new pattern. You gotta, you gotta unlock something. So that's what I would do for you, buddy. Now barreling forward text J Roney 74. I attended a CrossFit football seminar. CrossFit football seminar, public service announcement people, is now CrossFit's sports-specific application seminar. Um, so he attended the seminar and had a blast, obviously. Learned a lot. And one topic that we discussed was the one rep max. I coach at a high school level and use the move, and use the move some dirty weekly, if not twice a week. Did I read that right, Tex? You read it right. I don't okay. know if it was written right. <laughs> Uh, I explained that at the, end, at the end of a football, basketball, or whatever game, they do not pull maxes and hand out extra points. I discussed knee, uh, valgus knee and that if you blow out the knee, you won't play. Um, but coaches still think it's a major importance. Sign up for lifting comps, etc. cetera. Um, 
I have even shared a clip of John talking about some of the guys being strong as anything but not being able to play, but others who struggled in the weight room throwing guys around on the field. Right, so that's guys are field strong versus weight room strong. Um, and then where are we at? Uh, I tell the I tell young you, athletes yeah. all the time that I'm not trying to hold them back. I want them to be 10 times stronger and faster than I am, but I will not sacrifice their safety for a knee clapping one rep. <laughs> I like that. Uh, oh, and if you have time to address this, if you can tell it, uh, if you can tell it to the Madison clubs, I'll be sure to, pl- ah, I gotcha. Thanks and advice. Keep up the great work. Okay, so this, club? so this is what the guy uh, this is what the guy wants. He wants a soundbite for his team to get their fucking head out of their asses and stop thinking that one RMs mean a goddamn thing, especially for high school athletes. That's what this guy wants. So here's what I'm going to tell you, Jay, and here's what I'm going to tell the Madison Cubs. We've worked with elite level Olympic athletes down to genetic trash cans to quote uh who, who said that kielbasso right all uh, right so we've worked with everybody and uh, some people get sh- dealt a shitty hand of cards and the goal of a strength and conditioning program for a high school athlete is to lay the foundation right if you think a 1rm for a 15 16 17 year old kid means a goddamn thing y- y- you're totally misguided and here's why it takes years and years and thousands of reps to build a meaningful 1RM that you could pivot and anchor off of in a percentage-based program. And that means dedicated training, five, six days a week, hitting these lifts every day to grease the groove and build the neurological efficiency to actually perform a meaningful lift. Now, herein lies the divergence. When the whistle blows, no one's squatting, no one's pressing, no one's asking anything of this. And the fact of the matter is, these numbers don't mean a goddamn thing. What, the only numbers that matter are the numbers on the scoreboard at the end of the match, right? The wins and losses at the end of the season. Wrap your mind around that. These people need to get their heads out of their asses, and what they need to train for is maximal performance. And we have that prescription. It's about unlocking the athletic potential of these athletes, and that's moving through space. That's squatting, stepping, lunging, pushing, pulling. That's what these kids need to be doing. So Coach Roney is providing you a direction. So much like any offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator is going to call a play because that's what they feel is the best situation for that moment in time during the game, he's looking at you as a big-picture athlete. In your current state life cycle, he's calling the best plays that he knows to keep you safe and then get you winning at the end of the day, whether it's in the game next Friday or – in your college career. So this is an opportunity for you to prove that you are coachable, you can listen, and you are thinking of the team, the big picture, the end game, versus just one moment in time and being selfish. Take this as an opportunity. That's right. And we just slow progressive overload is a fancy term. But what you need to do is just show up and do a little more than yesterday. yesterday. And what this is going to build, and if Coach Roney knows what he's talking about. We're talking about our linear progression. We're talking about our bedrock program. If you follow this to a T and you pay close, careful attention to how you execute these movements and you focus on movement quality, you are going to establish something called a base level of strength. And what this is going to be is a neurological, physiological, psychological level of strength 
that is going to stick with you the rest of your life. It's going to arm you with the tools necessary to, to accomplish athletic tasks on any field of competition. It's going to allow you to acquire skills faster later on in life than some dipshit who started lifting weights when they're 20 or 30, right? So this is absolutely imperative for you guys to wrap your head around. It's a long road. You're a Google generation. You want this stuff to happen today, but it takes time. You need to put in the time. You need to put in the reps. You need to get miles under the barbell. and You need to listen to your coach and stop worrying about 1RMs. You need to go out there and play at the highest level that you can. How's that, Tex? Crushed it. All right. Coach, let me know if you need me to bleep out swears. Raider just called me out on that too at lunch. He did. Ruiz's kids. He's like, hey, Mr. Luke, why do you swear so much? I'm like, I don't know. Listeners like it. Listener. Allegedly. Listener. The listener, my mom. <laughs> All right. Um, another long one, man. What are you guys doing on Friday nights? <clears throat> <laughs> Let's see. All right. Possibly a really dumb question. You ready, Luke? Uh, yeah, I'll answer this one then. <laughs> when you have an activity that causes your heart rate to skyrocket when performed quickly, such as burpee, box, jump, overs, or sprinting, what is the best way to train if your goal is to perform that activity as close to max intensity for a longer period of time? For instance, I can currently sprint for about 300 meters before I have to slow down or vomit and or vomit. I would like to be able to run the same speed for 800 meters. Been doing burpees for years and they never get better. I can do about 10 to 15 really fast, then either vomit or slow down. I know interval work is typical, but how do you guys approach programming them with the above mentioned goal question mark all right so <laughs> i this is like i'm curious because like i'm curious if something like this because that seems like a like a low threshold of intensity to barf 300 ever, runs yeah, like a 300 max effort <laughs> meter run, and you're just barfing full speed. I played with some guys. Ten, to, but I can do about 10 to 15 really fast, and either vomit or slow down. So, what if this is like a larger thing at hand, and this is some sort of inner ear issue, like motion sickness, or you know, the when you got to barf from training, it's when blood is pulled away from your stomach to to handle the task, uh, and you got to barf. Right? Is that the right? Do you do you know that? That's what I've always thought. I thought it was just weakness, but just yeah, kidding. It's but. Weak, weakness leaving the body. But dude, <laughs> here's what I would do. I guess this this is listen. Um, this is a, a educated approach based off of uh, just kind of sitting with Doctor Tom, right? If if truly like barfing becomes your your barrier versus uh, you know neurological structural fail, failure. Text, hear me out on this, right? Hearing. So let's say. Let's say you're running uh, 300 meters at maximal intensity and you know that, or 800 meters at maximal intensity, find the threshold or speed at which you don't barf, right? Anchor that time and then try to just gradually increase. Just like we, you know, like, like it's the same thing as progression and overload, but you, instead of posture and position, it's, it's literally just like tossing your cookies. I think. 
right? And, and if you want to push out that threshold, you need to, you need to just tackle the volume intensity model, right? Um, you know, never at the, at the cost of posture and position, which I think if you're, if you're a guy, Nolan, I've seen you around on, on the forums and on our Instagram. So I think you are, uh, you know, that posture and position first, but it, it just becomes an interesting variable that triggers a failure point, which, you know, the, the nausea exercise induced nausea, right? I mean, and we can also factor in some lactic acid. So maybe... Yeah your body just can't handle the amount of toxicity that's going down. So at 300 meter, meters, you hit your max and your body is just trying to freaking get rid of as much acid as possible. Yeah. But at 15 burpees, I don't know, man. Like, are you eating seafood before you train? Are there other, <laughs> um, Maybe could it be a warm up thing, Tex? Like if he maybe was a little, like maybe he's going in too cold and uh, uh, maybe maybe he's just the does his little pre warm warm up and then just says fuck it I'm gonna run as hard as fast as I can mm-hmm. like a wolf is chasing him right so <laughs> um yeah so again we got some uh, articles describing this and then it breaks down at, uh, what happens with lactic acid for each energy system. So maybe check that out because a, a 10 to 15 burpees, that's going to be your freaking uh, phosphagen window. So you're going to look to push your a lactic threshold. This is, we're talking sprints versus burpees. I mean, I'm not mad at the burpee, um, but so check that out. We're just trying to push the envelope in which our energy system does not, not tap into the lactic acid but as soon as you're puking after 15 burpees, we're already there. So then from the, like the next into the glycolytic pathway, we're trying to really enhance the cycle in which our body buffers lactic acid. So that way it doesn't go into a freaking jammed up. So those of you that kind of, um, I know I've hit that wall in CrossFit in which just the quads are pumped. I can't physically do anything more. Well, yeah, it's not mental at that point. It's freaking your body cannot, your muscles cannot physically contract because they're so jammed up. So in terms of uh, going back to even our warm-up for the CrossFit Open, what we try to do is just really uh, hit 15 hard, heavy, hard, fast seconds of uh, the movement patterns that are in the open wads just to really tap into the glycolytic pathway for one instant, one moment to kind of prime the pump to get all those freaking lactic acid buffers going and ready. And they know a freaking flush is coming. And uh, so we've had, we did all the warm up work for Christy Atkins last year from open to regionals all the way up to the games. And she said, yeah, where she would hit walls before now just add in this simple approach that we hit. She loves it. And then she's back on it. Uh, she's not, not aiming for the games this year. Um, but still is hitting our warmups and having fun with her, her athletes and teammates for the open. And she's like, yeah, the first thing she said to me when I, I tapped in and asked her how she did was yeah, no, no lactic acid wall. Boom. So, uh, her time yeah. was 12 minutes. I mean, it wasn't a 300 meter all out sprint like you were hitting buddy, but at the same time she didn't run into the, the puking problem, which I'm sure many people out in the world have experienced. At well, I think just statistically, like everything happens, right? Isn't there a law? Hey, yeah. Someone comment. Like, isn't there a law if you think about it, it's already been done? 
or it's happened like a, a, or a, a philosophy or hypothesis. I need to know the title of that. So I can just, I, I'd say that shit every day. Someone's already doing it. If we thought of it, it's on the internet. Yeah. Something like that. Anywho. Uh, all right, text. That's a final question. Oh, we got a couple questions. Why do people say hashtag instead of pound? I don't know. I have a feeling the hipsters did that to us. Another question from well, Drake. No, we reserve the pound for like pound town, pound, pound town. Yeah. Like taking, taking them to pound town. Yeah. Not population hashtag. one. Not hashtag town. This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and then we have Drake. Are you going to Oktoberfest? Did you get my email? I haven't answered him. Well, now's the time. <laughs> what do you think, Dex? <laughs> Round four? Oh, God, dude. Uh, I think he said September 23rd and 24th. It's, I don't think we have anything booked. I'm looking at the calendar. I got a block on that, or you got a block on that. No, no, I took the block off. Why? What was the block? It was a wedding, but the wedding got moved from Chicago to Italy. Ooh. I'm out, which means I'm in. <laughs> uh, Drake listen so if you people like listen first off go to Oktoberfest it's great it's a lot of fun and the guys at Reebok CrossFit Nuremberg are fucking awesome Drake's up dude Drake thank you as always for setting this up but here in lies the problem okay there's a saying called when in Rome right so you go to Oktoberfest it's a freaking beer fest so you have a lot of beer and then like Next thing you know, you find out that uh, you're on the early train to Oktoberfest and the hotel calls and says, why the fuck haven't you checked out of your room and texting all of our stuff is in the room. Scattered. And like all we scattered everywhere, everywhere, because we went after the cert. And then we're like, well, what do we do? We're already like, we're in Munich. Do we go back? And like the answer is clearly no, people. So we go and enjoy Oktoberfest, spend the day down there, just, you know, uh, enjoy, I guess, local cuisine and tradition, which is basically just a bunch, a bunch of beers, right, at a beer tent. And then we got to go home. And by the time we get home, it's like midnight. We got to figure this situation out. They just jammed all of our stuff in our bags. Like I can imagine it, dude. Like they're just probably just punching like shit into our bags, you know, like. But the passports were there. That's really yeah. all that mattered. And uh, so then we get there and then now it's like we're on a prowl to find a room. So there's no rooms available. We're on like TripAdvisor looking it up, trying to find everything. At our local watering hole. Yeah, favorite, yeah. the Dublin bar in Germany. Uh, and then next thing you know, it's like three or four in the morning. And finally, we find a, a youth hostel that has a dorm available. Like it's like nine beds in this dorm. And Tex and I just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. no, no, no. We reserved a room at the oh, hostel. Oh, yeah. On hotels.com. Here's a shout out. The hotels.com totally fucking us over because uh, we got a room and then we go up and they're like, no, we don't have it here. You know, and I'm like showing them this thing. He's like, oh, you have to call them and figure it out. And I'm like, it's three in the morning. We got a flight tomorrow morning. So um, anyways, long story longer, uh, we end up just barging in, kicking in the door like predator, knock, knock. Right. And uh, <laughs> it was awful. It was awful. That part was awful. Everything else is amazing, but then you got to like, hey, it's, but you know, like my, my buddy's old man would say, hey, you want to dance? You got to pay the band, baby. So, uh, I, I mean, and that was a pretty tame yeah, October yeah. finale based off our previous experiences, you know? Yeah. So, so but anywho, <laughs> uh, drink, I guess we'll go. Like, we need to figure out travel and not try to do so much. Like, we tried to 
compress it all too tight text. That's, you know, that's what we try to do too much in a short period of time. Right. How about we actually stay in Munich this time instead of taking the long taxi ride home? I'll consider it. All right, all right, all right. right. Well, anyways, thank you, listeners. You are the bomb. So when you're, here's the thing. If you're still listening to this, congratulations. This has been like 90 minutes of just boring jibber jabber, right? The two or three of you. Hey, mom. Um, Hey, uh, hey, Mr. Hey, Raider. (laughs) Hey, Raider. (laughs) Uh, But here's our public service announcement. Hey, if you like the podcast, why don't you go right on iTunes and give us five stars. We're going to come find you. Liam Neeson style. Number two, if you were doing this CrossFit Open, people, just, just if you are a gym owner and you listen to this, do yourself a favor and go sign up for this freaking warm up protocol. Like we put, we put the people at TAS CrossFit through it. It was epic, right? We unlocked their power. They crushed it. Uh, all the coaches there were like wide eyed. They had hearts and like stars in their eyes, just watching Tex do his coaching and like and breaking these people off, right? Tex is doing a hair flip for those of you who can't see him. Um, <laughs> Go check it out and sign up, dude. It's, a, it's three bucks of warm-up. It's the cost of a latte, and you're protecting your people, and you're, you're unlocking their potential in like the one, competitive, the one competitive endeavor that they will likely hit, right? I mean, so maybe you got – maybe, hey, listen. Maybe you have like a local com- competition circuit you guys hit. That's fine. Go. Do it. You should. But if you're – and if you're, if you're a CrossFitter training, your dude, listen, just do it. Trust me. We're not lying to you. Why would we lie to you? Well, I guess we do lie a lot. Like about, uh, what did I lie about today? Uh, good jokes. Oh yeah. That'll happen. So, but, uh, anyways, check it out. If you yeah. want to check it out, link's going to be in the show notes. Uh, Tex is throwing three fingers up. I'm not sure. He's like, Tex thinks that we have the sign language thing where I understand what he's talking about, but I have no clue. Well, point number three is oh. the road continues. So we will be putting on warm-up clinics in three different cities for the remainder of the Open. So if you find yourself in Houston, Katy, Texas, by the, I guess by the time this comes out, um, we're there for 17.2. Austin, we're hitting you up, 17.3 and 4. Um, and then Washington, D.C., 17.5. So we are putting on a 30-minute, 60-minute, however long it that takes. it needs to really get the message across that we need to step our games up coaches seriously. So this is this long-term preparation to put our athletes in a performance. It's not just the open warm-up, right? That's going to be an introduction to really show you exactly where our points are made during our warm-up clinic. So yeah, hit us up. We're CrossFit Katie, CrossFit Jagaru, and then it's going to be balanced gym DC. So that's where we'll be. But listen up, you filthy animals. Thanks for listening. We love you. Tex, uh, jury's still out, buddy. But I'll talk to you later. Talk later. All right. Bye. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Stop faking the funk with your bullshit warm-up. When we say that the warm-up sets the tone for the workout, we mean it. From priming your system to mentally preparing yourself, the warm-up represents your dedication to performance. Head to the Power Athlete HQ landing page for a direct link to the 2017 CrossFit Open warm-up series. And if that doesn't get your chili hot enough, stay tuned for the first ever Power Athlete Extra Hardcore warm-ups. You know what a green screen is? And do it on the edge of a building or something? Yeah. <laughs> In like, yeah. With the, the 80s video recorder filter. <laughs> Just heavy breathing. 
All right, let's do this. Hey, Power Athlete Radio. Until next time, bye.